Hey guys, I'm lead pastor Noel Peepgrass, and I just wanted to welcome you to the Exeter Valley Church podcast. Our church plant started in 2021 with the goal of seeing God's kingdom extended in our hometown. If you're curious about Jesus, looking for a church family to be a part of, or feel called to join a kingdom expansion in Exeter, California, we'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. in our historic building at 218 West Pine Street. For more information, head on over to www.exetervalleychurch.com or visit our Instagram page. Thanks for listening. Well, today is Easter Sunday, or as many call it, Resurrection Day. Resurrection Sunday. It's the biggest day of the Christian calendar because on this day, we remember Jesus' substitutionary death on the cross and his subsequent resurrection from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus, you guys, it's the focal point. It's the centerpiece of the Christian faith and, and I believe the centerpiece of all human history. I believe it's the most significant moment of the most significant movement the world has ever known. Now, before we get going too far, since I've got kids in the audience, I want to start by asking you kids a question. So kids, straighten up. Here's my question, kids. What are some, some, some symbols of Easter? What are some of the symbols of Easter that you've come to know? What do you think of when you think of Easter? Okay. Bunnies, the, the cross. Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah, and Easter eggs, Easter eggs. In fact, the egg is the symbol that I wanted to talk about for just a minute. Now, now hold on. Maybe you're thinking, like I have thought before, that the egg was not part of Christian Easter. Was it? Wasn't the egg just a, a, an, an invention of the pagan candy companies? No, that's actually not true. The egg has a symbolic significance to Easter. And the egg is actually a Christian invention. Now, here's the next question, kids. Why do you think the egg is a significant piece of Easter symbolism for us Christians? You said it, birth. That's right, birth. The egg symbolizes the new birth that we have, that Jesus performed uh, in through his resurrection. So cool, this is... Uh, at the at the end of our time, uh, we're actually going to have the kids um, uh, go inside. The the adults are going to stay behind. We're going to hide some Easter eggs. We're going to have a little Easter egg hunt. So kids, stay patient. All right, it'll be worth the wait. We've got some candy filled eggs waiting to be hidden. All right, but yeah, eggs. Eggs are a resurrection symbol. And 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 now while we're on the subject of candy, I I wanted to ask your parents about a candy that was quite popular when I was a kid. And I think it's still around. I don't think it's as popular now though as it was when I was a kid. It's a candy called the Now and Later. You guys look here on this slide, you see the, the uh, logo here of the Now and Later candy. These were square shaped candies. They looked kind of like a big starburst and they're, they're very hard taffy-like uh, candies. Uh, and I think they were so named Now and Later because they lasted a long time in your mouth, so you could enjoy the flavor both now 
and later. So, Pastor Noel, why, why do you mention the now and later candy and the egg in a sermon on Easter Sunday? Well, I'm, I'm going to teach this morning about the resurrection. And uh, I want to talk about the now and later implications of the resurrection. And, and here's the deal. Before uh, I get going too far, you've got to know that I've, I'm working off three basic truths this morning. These are three assumptions that I'm coming into this message with, and I wouldn't want you guys to miss these. The first assumption, the first truth that we've got to agree upon this morning is that Jesus' death and resurrection means that though we die, we can be brought back to life. Because Jesus died and resurrected, we, through faith in Jesus, can be brought back to life. And then the second thing is that anyone who by faith follows Jesus is a new creation spiritually in the here and now. And then finally, the third truth that I'll be building off of is that anyone who by faith follows Jesus will have a new body later in the life to come. This is part of the now and later resurrection of Jesus. And look, the truth of Easter is that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we too can be made new, both now in this life and later in the life to come. Are you with me? Think of those eggs, kids. Think of candy. Think of the now and later resurrection of Jesus. This morning, I'm going to be working off First, first Peter uh, verses 3 and 4. Just two verses, really almost more like a verse and a half or a verse and a quarter. It says in First Peter 1, in his great mercy, Jesus has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Four points I want to highlight out of this short verse. The first point is the because. The because of his resurrection, the why of his resurrection. Why did Jesus die and resurrect? It says in this verse that because of his mercy, it was his great mercy that caused him to give us the gift of new birth. Look, Easter is because of his mercy. It's an act of mercy to die on someone's behalf. It's an act of mercy to be resurrected and what this means is that we have a need for mercy. The Bible calls this need sin. And, and because of this innate flaw, this condition of depravity, we are due punishment before God. See, we are in need of mercy. And I, I only have a few minutes, so I, I can't get too deep into this one. But maybe you've noticed that our, our current secular culture rejects this notion, right? Are, are you with me here? Our current culture says that, hey, you do you. Your truth is the only truth that matters. What's right for you is right for you. There's no objective right and wrong. We all decide for ourselves what's right and wrong. Isn't this the cultural ethos that we're swimming in? One in which we decide for ourselves what is right and what is wrong? One in which we're all just good people, right? Right? making our own decisions. 
Notice this basic assumption behind the way of thinking that our culture is living into. It's this idea that human beings are born good and can become more good over time. This is what our culture seems to believe. And, and even as I describe it, I, I, I can't help but notice the flawed logic. <clears throat> Any of you have, that are parents will understand what I'm getting at here, right? What is, what is a kid's typical first word? What do kids say first? Yeah, maybe goo goo gaga, mommy or daddy. But I guarantee you right in there is the word not yes, but no. No, kids learn to say early on. See, when we watch kids' behaviors, we see that rebellion is, is almost precedent to obedience. I notice this even with myself. I notice how hard it can be sometimes to avoid doing the bad thing that, I'm, that I want to stop doing, right? I mean, just this week, and I, I'm your pastor, so I've got to be careful with these confessions, but just this week, I, I was working in the shop and, and something fell over and the first word out of my mouth was a word that I had to repent of. Man, where do these words come from? I wasn't even trying to say something wrong. I wasn't even trying to sin. We have this innate flaw. And yeah, we could be worse. There's good inside of us. But deep down, there's just this inability to get it all right. So this cultural ethos that I just described, this you, you, whatever's right for you is good. That human nature is, is fundamentally good. This is not the biblical worldview. The biblical worldview is that God is good and we have a fatal flaw. The Apostle Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He says that uh, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. So God, in his mercy, made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, God made a way for us, despite our fatal flaw, through his son Jesus, who died and rose again. See, it's because of his mercy that Jesus came, defeated death by his resurrection. The, which brings me to the next point. So first, uh, the first point was because of his mercy. The second point is how did he do it? By his resurrection. See, his death, Jesus' death, has justified us before a holy God. We are washed clean by his blood on the cross. His resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, means that we will one day ourselves be resurrected. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. It says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. But guess what? It is a true story. Christ didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. You guys, look. There's no body to be found. Jesus Christ is risen. The historical account, the biblical account, the eyewitness testimony, the trail of martyrs who gave their lives for that one belief, the belief that Jesus Christ died and rose again. This is a historical fact that we're coming to celebrate. Christ indeed has been raised from the dead and his resurrection changes everything. Through his perfect life, death, and resurrection, he's conquered sin. 
and with it, he's conquered the power of death. What he has done has made up for everything that we could never do. Remember that, that fatal flaw that we've got? All the ways that we could never measure up? Anybody ever tried just for an hour to follow the Ten Commandments? Yeah. <laughs> Only me, I guess. We could never do it, could we? But he did. He did what we could never do. His, his work on the cross is complete. It's total. What did he say? It is finished. His work on the cross is complete. And because of it, we have two things. We have new birth and we have a living hope. John 3, uh, this Pharisee named Nicodemus, Nicodemus, thank you, sorry, comes to Jesus at night. And uh, he's been hearing the teaching of Jesus and he wants to investigate. And so he asks Jesus, like, what is, why are you saying these things? What's going on here? How must I be saved? What do I got to do? Jesus tells him, well, if you want to be saved, you have to be reborn. Reborn. The Apostle Paul says, uh, says it like this. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That was Paul's way of saying you must be reborn. Paul goes on to say that the old life is gone. A new life has begun. You guys, this is the now resurrection that we have through faith in Jesus. This is the resurrection life that has already been granted to you. It's a spiritual rebirth, not a flesh and blood rebirth. In this life though, we have the opportunity to be born again. Anyone ever wish that they had the opportunity to be b born again? I'm looking at Alice over here with crutches. We've been praying for her healing. Alice would probably take rebirth right now, I'm guessing. Fresh start. Anyone ever done something that made them think like, oh man, I need a do-over. Who's here for rebirth? Do you know what I'm saying? This is what the resurrection gives us. It's one of the things. This is the now good news of the resurrection. We've been studying Jesus' life and ministry in the book of Matthew. And what did, what did Jesus go about doing in his life and ministry? He was doing all kinds of good things. You're right, Caleb. He was preaching the good news. He was teaching about his kingdom. And he was healing lots of people. Jesus was demonstrating to us what his right now kingdom looks like here on earth. Remember Jesus, he came out and he said from the very beginning, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus showed us what his kingdom looks like. Look, in Jesus' kingdom, the lame walk, the blind see, relationships are restored. We are in this way, alive to Christ and dead to sin. We, we have the opportunity to be born again now, right now, because of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I know what you may be thinking. Uh, if we have new birth, um, if Christ has conquered death, why do we still struggle? I've struggled with that same question. How come I still feel so prone to temptation? How come I still do what I know I should not do, what I don't even want to do? How come I still feel so compelled? How come there's still sickness and death? Anyone ever ask that question? 
Why is my wife not here on Easter Sunday? I was asking that question late at night. Sickness and death are just, they're a sign to us that things are just not the way that they're supposed to be. They're a consequence of the fall, a consequence of sin and destruction that's entered the world. This is not what it looks like for God's kingdom to be here. And this is why Jesus walked around preaching, teaching, and healing. He was showing the people, he was showing us what it looks like when his kingdom comes. So Jesus says that I know that there will be troubles in this world, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So I think this is where we come to the next point, which is the last point, which is that we've been born into a living hope. I love that phrase. There's a song uh, we sang at at, uh, the sunrise service this morning called Living Hope. We sang it last year here on Easter. Maybe we should have sung it this year, but I didn't want to sing the same song twice, I guess. Not that any of you would have remembered probably what we sang last year on Easter. But we've been given new birth into a living hope. What is hope? Hope is faith in what you cannot see. Hope is faith in something to come. So now we're getting to the later part. What is our hope in? And this hope, I I love this. There's even a right now component to our living hope. It's not a dead hope that we've been born into. We've been born into a living hope. So when we face struggle, when we face trials, when we face temptation, the truth is that we know that while we are new creations and spiritually God sees us as new people, there's a day coming where all will be made right. And this is a day that we look forward to in hope. Look, you guys, whatever affliction you're facing today, I'm here to tell you that it will get better. When Jesus comes again to redeem the earth, it will get better. We can have a living hope. Uh, In Revelation 21.4, this is just one little picture of what this new hope will look like. It says that he, Jesus, will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This is the later, this is the eternal resurrection life that is to come. This is our source of living hope. Anyone crying and could get along with uh, having every tear wiped from their eyes. In In a group this size, I know there's people mourning. Anyone dealing with death? Got a friend dealing with death. I got a friend dealing with death. I remember what it was like just a few years ago to uh, bury my parents. Our lives are touched by death, are they not? Pain? Anyone in pain? These are all signs that things are not the way they're supposed to be. But we have a living hope. That one day, all will be restored. And in tough times, this is what gets us through. The good news of Easter is it's not just that Christ has risen from the dead, but that all who live a repentant life through faith in Jesus will also rise from the dead one day. The resurrection is already in a spiritual sense, and it's also not yet in an eternal sense. There's more to come, and guess what? He saved the best for last. The resurrection is both now 
and later. Christ is coming to redeem his creations. Have you ever read Revelation 21 and 22? The book of Revelation is uh, largely like kind of hard to understand. I said it. Super symbolic, like crazy monsters are coming, you know, all full of symbolism that's hard for us to understand. Would have made like really good sense in an ancient context. But there's one part that's not hard to understand. Revelation 21 and 22, you can look it up now or later. I got it in again. That was kind of cool. It's all about what the new earth will look like. This world where every tear has been wiped from our eyes. This world where there's no more death. There's no more mourning. There's no crying. There's no more pain. This is what we have to look forward to. It will be Eden-like. Life will be like it was meant to be. This is good news. I wanted to end today by posing a couple questions. First question is, what in your life seems dead? What in your life right now feels dead? What part of your life could use new life? Anybody swimming with circumstances, a trial, situation that could use new life? What, what parts of your life need to be born again? Look, we have access to a do-over. We have access to rebirth through faith in Jesus. This is the good news of Easter. So you may, you're probably asking like, all right, Noel, I tried really hard to stop doing that. I prayed really hard that this would happen or that would happen. It doesn't seem like it's totally working. How do I access this new life? And, and this is like the upside down nature of God's kingdom. The little unlock here. It's part of uh, God's upside down ways. Because some of the ways that we might think would be for our behavior to ascend, to get to God. But that's not the good news of Jesus' story. The good news of Jesus' story is that he came down to you so that you didn't have to get to him. He came down to us. And all you have to do, if you want to truly live, all you have to do is die. Die to yourself. See, faith in Jesus is death to Mises. I can't even take myself seriously with that one. But you're going to remember it. Faith in Jesus is death to Mises. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Faith in Jesus is death to Mises. Friends, the truth of Easter is that you can be spiritually reborn in this life. There is a now promise in the resurrection. And then there's a later promise, an even better promise, and that's that you will be, through faith in Jesus, physically reborn in the life to come. Salvation is ours. It's, it's ours, not just so that we could go to heaven, but so that heaven could come down and be in us. Heaven in us is right now possible because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. What part of your life is dead? What part of your life needs to be reborn? Here and now, there is a spiritual recreation that's possible. We've got the fountain of youth. 
in the resurrection truth of Jesus. In him all things are made new. This is good news. In him all things are made new. In him death has lost its sting. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? It's been swallowed up in love. The greatest act of mercy the world has ever seen, Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. Because of his mercy, he died the death that we deserve. And now we have been born again in this life. And we live with hope for an eternal life in which all will be redeemed and restored. Let's pray. Band, you can come on up. Jesus, we thank you for the truth of Easter. We thank you that uh, you had mercy on us. We thank you that you had a plan to resurrect our lives, both here in the now and later in eternity. Amen. Hey, if you, uh, we are going to take communion together now. This is a fitting way to celebrate Easter, uh, to remember the broken body and the blood that was poured out by Jesus on the cross. He said to his disciples the night before he was, uh, he was crucified, he said to his disciples, as so often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. These are symbols. The broken body symbolizes, uh, I'm sorry, the, the bread symbolizes the broken body of Jesus and the grape juice or the wine. I won't tell you which it is. You just have to come forward and receive it. Represents the poured out blood of Jesus. We remember what he's done for us. Isn't that what today's about? Remembering what Jesus has done for us.